and welcome to Catholic Current, where we discuss our faith and events affecting the church in the United States. From Washington, D.C., I'm Mara Moser. Lent is almost here. Joining me today in the studio is Father Dustin Dowd, Executive Director of the Secretariat of Divine Worship at the USCCB. Welcome, Father. It's good to see you again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Mara. So before we have Lent, we have Mardi Gras. Mm -hmm. You are from Louisiana. Tell us about how the celebration of Mardi Gras fits in with Lent. Yeah, born and raised in South Louisiana, so I know Mardi Gras uh, very well. Uh, and Mardi Gras uh, is, is a way for the church uh, to celebrate before she enters into a season of fasting. We have all of these rhythms of feasting and fasting uh, in the life of the church. And uh, the church uh, is called not only to do penance robustly, <laughs> but also to celebrate robustly, you know, that the Lord has died and he has risen as the Holy Father, uh, Pope Francis is, you know, frequently reminds us he doesn't like to see Christians with sad faces because there's nothing to be sad about. And so we enter into this season of penance knowing that the Lord has died and risen. Uh, and so that celebration uh, of, of Mardi Gras uh, is a part of our life, um, like uh, Lent is a part of our life. So we'll come to Ash Wednesday, which is on Valentine's Day. How does this work? How are we going to celebrate this? How does it work? Exactly. <laughs> uh, we're still obliged uh, to fast on Ash Wednesday. We have two days of the year uh, where we fast. That's Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Uh, everyone from the age of 18 uh, until the age of 59 is obliged uh, to fast. But I think that that fasting can really go uh, with Valentine's Day. Whenever we fast, we don't do it just for itself. We do it for a purpose. And so if I'm eating less food, then that pantry, that's the, the food that's left over in my pantry, I give that away to the poor. If I'm eating less food, then I've saved some money. I can give that away. And so we do it for others. Uh, we can do it with our beloved in mind. So I enter into this fasting of of Valentine's Day, keeping in mind, hey, I'm going to do this out of love for God, but out of love for my beloved. I think as well, we uh, on Ash Wednesday can consume one full meal and eat two smaller meals. And so a couple on Valentine's Day, if they, uh, you know, or want to celebrate on that day, could save that full meal for uh, supper at the end of the day. And as they're fasting for breakfast and for lunch, what are they keeping in mind? But We'll have this time together. And I think that really enriches that celebration of, of Valentine's Day. So I think Valentine's Day uh, can sort of, uh, Ash Wednesday can kind of uh, shed some light on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day can shed some light on Ash Wednesday. You know, the Lord Jesus says, uh, no greater love has one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's what we celebrate during Lent. And so Ash Wednesday sort of sheds some light on what authentic love is. So I think it's a happy coincidence uh, that they're both on the same day. That's a really beautiful way of thinking about it. Now, Ash Wednesday is not a holy day of obligation. And yet, I mean, you, you know as well as anyone that it's the day where people show up in mass. W what do you attribute the appeal of Ash Wednesday to? I, I think at, at bottom, uh, we all have a sense of something missing. You know, when we, when we look within, I think no human person is far from that, from something is missing. I desire something and I don't have it. 
And ultimately, I think that that's, uh, you know, that reflects that we were created and made for God. And that Ash Wednesday, I think, is a time when people express that. I think we experience uh, that, that fact that something's missing, that something's absent in a particular way whenever we sin, whenever we um, uh, sin against uh, others. And so having this recognition, folks, it, it moves them, it leads them to the church to say, something's missing, I've done wrong, and I want things to be different. And I think that's a great place to start. You know, that's a great beginning. Um, and I think that's, that's why we see so many people at church on Ash Wednesday. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Father, but every year the gospel on Ash Wednesday talks about kind of fasting privately, praying privately, and then we put these ashes on our forehead mm -hmm. and walk out into the world and publicly show the world that we are fasting mm -hmm. and praying and preparing ourselves for Lent. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of put those two together right. for me? Well, I think fasting uh, is, I think at the heart of it with the Lord um, in the gospel, He's talking about the spirit which should animate fasting and prayer and giving alms. And it should not be a spirit of vanity. It should not be a, a spirit that is seeking prestige. So I'm engaging in these practices so that others might think well of me. I'm engaging in these practices so that I might receive such and such a favor or such and such esteem. Um, but I engage in these practices out of love of God and love of neighbor. And, and, and so that's just clarifying their true purpose. But I do think it's important, this sign, because fasting is something that we do not just as individuals, but as a body, corporately. And that's why the church establishes days. You know, she doesn't say, hey, you got to fast two days. All y'all determine which days you're going to fast on. No. She says, we are all going to fast on this day and this day. Because it's important not just that individuals fast, but that communities fast. And I think that's why the signs and symbols of Ash Wednesday, the public celebration of Ash Wednesday is important. Because it's something that we do not only as individuals, but also as a community, as a body. And Father Dustin, you served in a parish before. Do you have any favorite memories or oh. stories of the time of celebrating Ash Wednesday? So there are some parishes uh, who like to make their own ashes. So you can order them from a religious goods uh, store, but you can also make them. And generally they're made from the palms. So the palms from Palm Sunday are burnt. They turn to ash. But the recipe to, to get ash into some kind of substance that can be applied to a forehead is difficult. And so there may be times when folks have made, you know, a parish has, has had its, its, uh, its homegrown ashes and the recipe just wasn't good. And so it was like trying to cake mud on someone's forehead or, 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 you know, placing dust on there, which wouldn't, wouldn't cling. So I'd say homegrown ashes um, is, uh, can, can be difficult if, if, if we don't get the recipe right. <laughs> okay, let's turn to Lent. So how can we celebrate these kinds of, the church has these preparatory seasons. What are some ways that we should be celebrating? Well, the three pillars of Lent 
are fasting, prayer, and works of charity. And what I would always tell the, the students at uh, the parish school is Lent is a three-legged stool. And then if you remove one of those, the, the stool collapses. So you, you have all three, fasting, prayer, works of charity. We can think of fasting, again, another image I use with the school children, you know, think about a refrigerator, you know. We gotta clean out the refrigerator. So that's fasting, emptying ourselves uh, of all the things that are not God. And then prayer is a communion with God that fills me with Him. So if I've emptied myself, I can be filled by the Holy Spirit. So we empty out the refrigerator and then we can put, you know, new fresh groceries in there. But God fills us uh, not so that we, uh, you know, you know, can sort of like sit back and, you know, oh man, this is great. Um, he fills us so that we can give away what he's given to us. And so once that fridge is full, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna distribute uh, some of that to those who are in need. So fasting, prayer, almsgiving, and I think we see how they're interconnected, how they're related, and that to have one without the other doesn't make any sense. To have works of charity without fasting doesn't make any sense. To have prayer without works of charity doesn't make any sense. Um, so we need, we need to look at the season of Lent um, in, in a more comprehensive way and to make sure that we're engaging in all, all three of those. So the season of Lent, that's one aspect of it. Another aspect of it is we are accompanying those who are preparing for the sacraments of initiation. So we have those uh, who are becoming members of the Catholic community, and they themselves are doing penance in preparation uh, for the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist, and we're with them. Again, because, I mean, how joyful should we be that new life is being born? You know, this is, we are getting new brothers and sisters. And so we're not, they're not taking this journey alone, but we're journeying with them and we're going to accompany them in that. So fasting prayer works to charity, those who are uh, being baptized, accompanying them. And I think the final one I'll point out is at the tail end of Lent, you know, our, our, uh, our perspective changes and we want to celebrate Easter well. And so our uh, fasting, prayer, works of charity sort of like geared toward that, that I can't celebrate if I don't prepare. I mean, I think every athlete knows that, you know, and we who are engaging in a, a sort of spiritual contest in the liturgy to worship God, we need to prepare too. So fasting, prayer, works of charity, accompanying those who are being baptized and preparing to celebrate Easter well. Those are some things that I think of uh, when I think of Lent. A lot of people give something up for Lent, right? Like my children might give up ice cream or something like that, and then on Easter have ice cream. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about this idea? You know, should we be giving up chocolate? Giving up, I think, is just another way of saying fasting. <laughs> so when we talked about that three-legged mm -hmm. stool, to give up something is to fast or to abstain. So it's absolutely critical. Um, but I, but I think what we can do is to say, no, it's very important that you empty yourself um, of what is not God. But this emptying should lead to some prayer and to some acts of charity. So helping our, our young people understand that their giving up, which is critical, needs to be accompanied by prayer 
and works of charity. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, I'm not giving up anything this year. I'm just doing something. Well, you've got works of charity covered, but there's no fasting. You know, you got works of charity covered, but there's no prayer. And so I think just like, you know, giving up, if that were the, the end of what we do during Lent, something would be missing. If we're, oh, I'm just doing, I'm not giving up, something's missing there too. So what can we see during the season of Lent? There were changes to the Mass itself mm -hmm. and inside the church. Could you talk a little bit about what those are and how people may experience those changes? So one of the, the, the starkest uh, difference uh, is the, um, the church is not supposed to be decorated during the season of Lent. So during the rest of the church year, we frequently see flowers, you know, on certain celebrations. So that's one of the differences. No decorations uh, except for certain solemn days. So uh, a day of celebration like the Annunciation on March 25th or St. Joseph's Day on March 19th, or even um, the evening mass of the Lord's Supper, uh, candles, I mean, uh, flowers are permitted. So no, no flowers, no decorations. Uh, the instruments are also silenced. So normally, um, during the rest of the year, you can play that organ as loud as you want. But during Lent, uh, the musical instruments are played only to support the singing. And, and again, that's to uh, give us this, because the, the aesthetics matter, you know, music and sights and sounds and all of these things, they dispose us uh, to certain uh, ways of being, to certain action. And so this difference in music is going to dispose me to a more contemplative way of being. It's going to dispose me to be more reflective. So uh, flowers, music, we see purple. You know, we see that during Advent as well, which is a traditional color of penance, of mourning, purple. Purple, that, no Gloria, you know, we don't sing the glory to God uh, in the highest during... Hallelujah, right? Yeah, no hallelujah, that's no the biggest hallelujah. one. That's a, I always feel that absence. That the is hallelujah. the biggest one, yeah. right, which is this, which is this resurrection word, um, alleluia. And, uh, and so, no, it is uh, this, this silence uh, of that word again, which disposes us to receive it uh, more fully, more joyfully at the celebration of Easter. So Lent is obviously a very full season, you know, I'm, I'm sure, especially as we get up towards Holy Week. Do you have any favorite moments or celebrations of Lent? Mm, What's your favorite? Father? My moments, my favorite celebrations of Lent. I'd have to say as a, as a, as a priest, as a pastor, when I was in the church parish, there are a handful of times uh, during the year where the people uh, gather outside the church building and together process into the church building, which is a really beautiful image of who we are as a church and what our destiny is as a church. And so on Palm Sunday and on Paschal and the Paschal Vigil, usually that takes place where all the faithful gather outside with palm branches on Palm Sunday. Those branches are blessed, they, the people are blessed. Um, the gospel of the entry into Jerusalem is proclaimed. And then the priest 
with the, the ministers, followed by the whole people of God, enter the church building, which is a symbol of the heavenly Jerusalem. So we're not just reenacting something Jesus did. Oh, like, oh, let's do a, let's do a Palm Sunday reenactment. No, we are entering into not the earthly Jerusalem, but the heavenly one. And that's really happening. It's not a metaphor. It's not, oh, you know, this is, this is kind of like what it's going to be. No, we are really doing it. And then the same thing with the Paschal Vigil, that the faithful gather outside in the darkness where an Easter fire has been prepared, a real Easter fire, you know, not some decorative fire, but like a real fire that's blessed. And from that fire, the flames come and, and light the Paschal candle. And the whole church, led by the priest and the ministers, enters the church with that light. And slowly but surely, all the faithful's candles are lit from that light. And slowly but surely, it is, it is as bright as day in the church building. And who has made it bright as day but Christ? Uh, so I think those are just really special moments to me um, uh, during those liturgies. So those, those are the ones that I think of. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Those mm -hmm. are both favorites. Well, thank you again, Father Doubt, for joining us here on Catholic Current again and talking with us about Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent. You're very welcome, Mara. All right. And thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Current. You can find out more about this week's topic by visiting us online at usccb.org or follow us on social media at usccb. I'm Mara Moser. See you next week. <music>